And I can tell you when I was, um, when I was new in the role, I did try to shoulder everything. And I, I had a pastor once that, that, that really challenged me about, are you operating out of your strength or are you operating out of your wisdom? Welcome to Build Your Culture Brand with Dr. Jay Rains. Do you wish your employees were more engaged? Do you want your people to look forward to going to work? Join us as we discover ways to define, measure, and grow your culture. We'll also discover pitfalls to help you avoid common mistakes. We want to help you intentionally build a culture that fits you. Bruce, welcome back to the Lead with a Question uh, podcast. We had a great visit last time about, about your culture and even your journey of getting into Chick-fil-A. I love the story about First 100 and how it started with you and that, you know, just that whole Dan Cathy involvement there and, and how it became something that now has been going on almost 20 years. So incredible story. Uh, this this session, this episode, I'd love for, to hear a little bit more about um, something you mentioned to me before about this is not an individual sport. What what do you mean by that? When you say, you know, this this role that I'm in, this, this thing that I'm doing, it's not an individual sport. Can you unpack that for me? I think that being an operator, um, it's really easy to fall into the mindset that I do this. I'm, I'm, I'm the operator and maybe it'd be easy for somebody to fall into the mindset that they're on their own. And I can tell you when I was, um, when I was new in the role, I did try to shoulder everything. And I, I had a pastor once that, that, that really challenged me about, are you operating out of your strength or are you operating out of your wisdom? Hmm. And there's been a couple of seasons as an operator that I have defaulted to operating out of strength. I can carry this thing. We're not going to, we're not going to fail. Um, we're going to make this thing work. And I think it's really important for operators to, to not fall into that mindset or what you could call a trap. And that, if we're going to do this thing of being an operator as an individual sport, we do so at our own peril. And it's really important to have voices with you to support, encourage, hold accountable. Um, and I think it's really, I think it's vital. <clears throat> so if you're, if you find yourself in a significant leadership role, and you feel as though you're on an island, that might be a clue that you need to bring some people around you to have some voices, maybe peers, um, to just to just share with. Bruce, I'm fascinated by this idea of uh, you know being at that leadership place. You know, you're, you're talking about this place where you get to where you're you are in, in, in playing individual sport. You're on an island. How do you know? Maybe. Share with us a moment where you felt like you were there. What what were some indicators that you were in that place? Like what were the alarm bells that maybe you should have recognized or did become to recognize in that moment? So I'll just set this up with a little perspective. Um, you you probably remember that I had a military career prior to coming to Chick-fil-A. There is no one warrior in the world that would ever want to accept the word fail. And so I can, I can tell you about three times in my operator journey that I probably fell into that trap of doing, uh, being the operator and doing it largely on my own. 
The first one was when I took that mall opportunity in San Antonio, one of the bottom five restaurants in the chain, performing miserably, never done anything in retail before. Um, and I tried to carry the entire business, working 14 hours a day, six days a week for months on end. Hmm. That was the first time. Second time was when we moved to Phoenix to open that first freestanding restaurant in the West. Um, we're going to carry this thing. We're not going to let it fail. Right. I fell into that trap for the second time. Third time was when we opened our second restaurant. And uh, the first restaurant went from just under 3 million in sales to just over 2 million in sales. And the second restaurant opened at 1.7 million in sales. And so I found myself going back to operating out of strength rather than wisdom. All three of those times I made a terrible mistake by not linking up closer with other operators. And, and that was probably, that was really three times in just over a five-year window where oh, wow. I made an okay. error of saying, I will, I will go back to strength because I can do this on my own. And the truth was I could, but it wasn't good for me. It wasn't good for my relationships. It wasn't good for my marriage. And, um, and I found myself not very fulfilled in those seasons. But when we can do this with other people, people who, res who we respect, people who understand the pressures and the tensions better than anybody else, like our peers, that this, is a, this can be a much richer way to live and we will be more effective as leaders by just linking arms with peers. And that group does not have to be large. It could be small, but I feel like we're being foolish if we do this in isolation. Beautiful. I love it. So Bruce, as, as you described that, I'm, I know there are market teams across the country that struggle to, um, to have good relationships there. Some of them are, you know, they, they just really struggle. They're, they're all driven in their own way. They all have their own businesses, but yet um, they struggle linking arms. Uh, Y'all have been able to, to work on that and build uh, a culture. I know you, I think you believe you said Phoenix is um, divided into three. It's a, it's a big market together, but then y'all have three kind of market areas. What are those advantages of working together with, your market? How does that help you? How, how, how does that help the market? I'm going to answer that question in a, maybe a slightly different way than you're, than you're asking it, but no, um, please. Yeah. We have, when, when our market was really small, um, we had four mall stores in the market and then we opened this freestanding restaurant. And then shortly after that, two of the mall stores wound up closing. So we were a very, very small operator group. And we were in a city in which the brand really was not mature. It was at that time that we decided we really want to make some things true about this market as we grow it. 
that we that we needed to do it together. And um, you know, I was the only freestanding restaurant operator at that time. Um, it was really important for us as we grew to 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 try to be together as much as we possibly could. We start every one of our meetings with um, with a time of sharing. We take take about an hour, and that is that is prayer requests, it's praises, it's a it's just a quick check in with people, and that's before we talk about anything in the business. We also made a decision early on that we were never going to pass. Um, a, a directive. We were never going to pass um, anything out of a vote that would affect the market. We developed that into some words <clears throat> that I think have served the rest the the market really well. And those words are honor the brand and honor each other. Grow the brand together and grow old together. That kind of has been a filter for us. As we have looked at marketing, it's been a filter as we've looked at how do we relate with one another. It's helped us filter how do we do catering. And I think that principle has really been helpful for us to, um, to know that we can do this thing together and we don't have to compete with each other. Together, we compete with the rest of the market. But that market, we're not competing with other Chick-fil-A's. We're competing with the other choices people have in the marketplace. That's fascinating. I mean, though those words um, that it's really setting out in a very clear way your priorities and your mission. You you basically design, you know, because I think one of the challenges I see with operator teams is they they're really not a team. You know, the, the it, or it's hard to figure out how we're a team. They're not even playing the same with the same football as they're working together, you know, in the, in the market. And so for y'all to define the football, what, what are we trying to move here? Then that really helps people decide if they're on the team or not. That incredible. Maybe some other teams would love to adopt a similar or, or the same set of phrases. And I guess my favorite part is the grow old together. It, it really does speak to, uh, this is a long-term Long, this is a long game. We're playing a long game here. Well, when the market started and we and we began to add freestanding restaurants, we were all underperforming from a sales standpoint. People were not making money. Um, the brand was not as well known as it needed to be. Um, we were very scrappy in that time, and it was it was almost as though you know everybody had to be paddling together in order to to get this thing moving. That time of austerity was really formative for us. I think, I think it's harder when we're, you know, we've just come out of a decade of incredible prosperity as a brand. I think it's harder to pull together in the prosperous time because I don't know if I need you. I don't know if I need the guy to my left or the lady to my right. Mm. Do I need that? I'm doing great. Mm. Gotcha. Well, the truth is we do. We do need that. We do need that association and that bond because the truth is, is that we're all going to run through trials. As people, as business people, and we need each other. What a great message. And uh, hopefully there's some people out there taking it to heart and maybe they can apply it to their own market team and 
revitalize their their relationships with other operators around them. What's something about your role that you feel like few people really understand or is easily misunderstood about your role? I think my peer group gets it. I mean, everybody, everybody in it who's an operator gets the fact that this thing just doesn't, it just doesn't turn off. There's always something, um, there's always something pulling at you. I think it's harder for the people who work with us to see that. They may see, oh, well, Bruce is, you know, he's, he's, he's not here half the time, or maybe it's even more than half the time. I'm not under that one roof because we've got business things we need to tend to. And then we have restaurant things that we need to tend to. And especially when you've got more than one restaurant, um, you don't get to see everybody every day. And that's really hard. Um, and I, I think it's very easy to misunderstand, um, especially from your employees looking at you, what the role entails. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I've made it, I've made it a, um, a mission of my own to be an encourager, to try to help build folks up, um, to connect with people. And, and Jay, you probably know, because we've known each other for 10 years, by nature, I'm an introvert, but I have to fight that because I want people to be connected and feel like they're part of a team and not just a cog in a machine because at our volumes, it would be very easy for somebody to feel like they've gotten lost. And that's something that we ask our leaders to do too: connect with people, make sure they make sure the people are known in the business, because I really feel like that is something that people need. They want to be known. I, I, it's funny that you would say, you know, I'm, I'm an introvert because I, I bet there are people listening right now that know you and they're thinking Bruce is an, an introvert. What is that? And so, but yeah. It, and, and when you're having to exercise your, your life as an extrovert, but you're at your core an introvert, it, that can be draining. I, Sometime, maybe on a future episode, we need to talk about how you recharge because it sounds like you, you might be using quite a bit of your uh, battery on extroversion. Next question, what was something in your life that seemed like a failure and actually propelled you forward? Oh my goodness. How do you pick just one, Jay? Um, <laughs> I, th- I think we could go all the way back to my first... Um, my first exposure inside the restaurant um, when, you know, I was failing and, and Scott provided me some encouragement. Scott Overkarsh was my business consultant at the time. And he provided some encouragement, which made a huge difference um, because I needed to hear somebody say, I believe in you, even while I was in the midst of what I would consider to be a multitude of failures. Uh, tell us about an event that took place that kind of changed the trajectory of your team there in the, in the middle of 2020. It was literally an overnight thing. It was the last day in, um, last day, it was the last Sunday in May in 2020. And I got a phone call from a lady who runs the cleaning crew at our restaurant that there was some sparking in the wall. And while I was on that phone call, this was in the wall behind the fryers in the kitchen. And while I was on that phone call, I got 
Another call from the monitoring company, hey, we've got a fire alarm at your restaurant. We're dispatching fire. And um, I got to the restaurant quickly. And in the midst of arriving at the restaurant, I see Goodyear Fire Department, Avondale Fire Department, and they're both shooting water at the building. Oh, my goodness. Well, we'd had an electrical fire in the wall. And um, the blessing on that whole thing was it was a Sunday night. We did not have it during business hours. Um, we didn't have parents scooping up their children and running out of a burning building. Um, but everything changed right there. We were, we were in the midst of COVID. And we had, um, fortunately, we, we had another restaurant to land everybody at. So we put everybody to work at the Avondale restaurant. We were probably at 270 people at that point, 250, 270 people between the two restaurants in an era where we're supposed to be socially distancing. And of course we're wearing masks and we're trying to do our best to serve guests. And then the whole game changed literally overnight as we, as we were trying to work through, um, what do we do now? We'd had a remodel that had been put on hold because we needed some third party approvals from other people in our shopping center. And those third party approvals had not come through. And we had every, we had everybody get to work at the other restaurant while we were trying to, um, to figure it out. You know, what do we do with all the people? Are the sales going to be there? Um, we're in the midst of COVID. What's the right course of action to take? And we had a bunch of decisions to make um, about how we were going to go forward. It, you know, one of the unique things about this whole situation, Bruce, was that you were kind of prepped for a remodel. It, it was a, it was supposed to happen. You know, you were kind of preparing for that for labor and things. But obviously, this escalated and uh, ramped that timeline up um, considerably. So. As you, as you merged to those, I think y'all call it the merge, right? So as you merge the great merge, the great merge, right? As, as you went through the great merge, um, reflecting on that time together, what, what were some of the, some of the things that, that went well, choices you made that, that you would do again, and what might be some, something that you would do different during the merge if you had to do it over again? Yeah, I wish I had an example right now, but, um, I'd have to go find one. We, we actually made a concert t-shirt um, for okay. this event. And this was, this was reflecting because we're probably the restaurant to, that caused the chain not to be able to wear t-shirts in the summertime because uh, that was a big part of who we were and, and I was off the reservation. So um, but thanks for owning that. I'm, I'm sure now everyone understands why they can't make their own t-shirts. So that's yeah, <laughs> I'm that guy. So um so we had so many things that happened uh, literally overnight. We, we merged the two teams. I told the leadership team. So this was probably one of the better things we did. I told the two leadership teams, um, the Goodyear leadership team was to stand back, at least from the director level, they were to stand back and we had them focus entirely on people, programs, processes, Check, revising checklists, um, getting everything from an organizational standpoint, i.e. on the business work. 
And that all of the folks from the manager level, team leaders, trainers, team members were to fold up under the Avondale leadership team. They were the home team. Avondale was the home team. That's exactly right. And that's what we called them. So home leadership led the home team plus the augmentation from the Goodyear restaurant. Sales went from about about $700 a month, $700,000 a month to 1.1 like that. So we didn't quite recapture the business we were losing from the Goodyear restaurant, but we were sitting on a significant amount of money that we had accrued for the remodel, but now we're burning through this accrual, but we had no sight on when the remodel was going to happen because the third party approvals were not coming. Um, the plans for the remodel were approved by the city. They were just waiting for us to pay the permitting fees and pick up the permits, pick up the the plans. But again, the third party approvals hadn't come. So now we've got close to, you know, 275 people or so under that one roof working in the midst of COVID. And uh, we decided we made a decision to keep everybody because surely the remodel was going to get started soon and that these third-party approvals would allow for the the remodel to to begin. Well, it turns out that that was a five-month duration from the fire to the time that we reopened. We were closed for for 18 weeks. Mm -hmm. It was one-third of a business year, and we operated under that one roof. So we tried a bunch of different things. We had... um, we had to redefine traffic control at the Avondale restaurant because now the business had, had blown up. We're trying to maintain relationships over there because we had another remodel coming at the Avondale restaurant that was supposed to be on the heels of the Goodyear remodel. Mm-hmm. So we needed to keep relationships, yeah. you know, really healthy there. Um, we tried a couple of things. We had, uh, we'd broken the team up into two. We had a Monday, Wednesday, Friday team and a Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday team. Um, we um, we just had so many things that we tried to get done in this time where we had an excess of talent amidst COVID, and um, I mean, God really provided through that entire that entire time. Uh, we opened up in October of 2020 with a new straight line kitchen prototype restaurant that Chick Fil A was piloting, and um, and split the teams back up. Um, I think it was a really good decision for us to take the senior leadership from the Goodyear restaurant and have them work on the business and let the um, and let the Avondale team lead execution at the Avondale restaurant. I think that was a really good thing because um, Avondale was the home team and they needed to have operational responsibility for the site. But really, you know, as I watched that, it really clarified authority and and that would be one of the very confusing things that could happen when you're mixing teams. So just to, from the outset, establishing the authority lines was, I think it was a very wise, wise decision. If, if someone were, you know, either going through a model, combining teams or, or in a situation like you've just described, what, what would you advise them to not do or to change now that you're on the other side of that? Financially, the decision to keep everybody was super expensive. Um, 
we wound up um, we wound up coming out of that remodel without really owing the brand anything, but that took an awful lot of, um, there was, a, you know, we, we wound up using all of our accrual. We wound up using every penny of business interruption insurance, plus a couple of additional hundred thousand dollars to make sure everybody was, was paid during that time of what was otherwise going to be a lot of uncertainty, um, in our, um, in our world because we're in the midst of COVID we've got the, we've got the remodel going on. And, um, and so I think that's, you know, what would we have done different? I, I might not, if, if I didn't have COVID, I don't know that I think I would have asked some folks, Hey, do you want to take some vacation time and try to, to, to steward better that way? But, um, but we made a decision in the midst of all that uncertainty to try to keep everybody employed for that entire time. Do I regret that decision? I do not. Bruce, that's an incredible story about, you know, that the whole merge, you know, you're, you're taking two and moving it to one, but right now, and, and there are people that are going through those remodels and some of them are, are extended. So I can imagine there are listeners out there that would find that very helpful. There's another group of people listening that are, they're in this place of moving from one to two, you know, they've been granted, they're in the process of getting a second location. And what I've noticed is that, you know, really that's a, that's a big leadership change. You're leading one location is very different. So, you know, there's so many areas of leadership that need to change in order to lead two locations. Could you speak to that? Speak to the person that's just beginning their journey as a multi-site operator. What might you offer them as advice about leadership? Yeah, when we when we went from one to two, we were at just under three million in sales at our Goodyear restaurant, and we opened the Avondale restaurant at about one point seven. That's a totally different game than we have today. Restaurants are at seven, eight, nine, ten million dollars, and then they open up the sister restaurant and they may go from ten to nine, and the other one opens at eight. So maybe you've gone from ten to seventeen in a in a year. Um, that's a huge jump. You're going to add $7 million in that example of sales, which is, that's a bunch. It's a lot. It's a lot of, tr- a lot of people that have to be trained and shepherded and, sure. and whatnot. I think the biggest thing you can do is just over index on processes. Um, the checklist, the, the norms of what you're, of what you're about to do, um, because you're going to wind up with a, with a leadership team that's, that's stretching their leadership muscles and growing their leadership muscles. Even if you've got a, a, a big enough team, um, anything you can do to remove the unknowns and provide a sense of this is how we do it. This is how we play our game is going to be a help. Um, we've seen time and again that dedicated leadership in specific areas and I'm going to add to that dedicated processes in specific areas yield really good results. Um, for those folks who've walked through the food safety journey in the last several years, we know that disciplined activities and disciplined leadership around food safety has delivered a big result. One thing that I would encourage people to do is to take that same approach towards people acquisition and people training. Okay. And your people systems. 
Um, we've got a person who 30 hours a week does nothing but people acquisition and refining people systems. Wow. And that's been a big investment for us, but I'll tell you, it's been absolutely necessary. So I would standardize what you can standardize. I would invest in dedicated leadership around your people systems. And I would um, make sure you work on how do, how do you ensure a culture of connectedness inside your organization? Because the crazy thing is, is that as the operator, it's entirely feasible that you're not necessarily going to know everybody on your staff. And that was a huge adjustment for me is because I didn't get to see everybody every day. But um, at these higher volumes, it may be the situation that you don't know everybody on your staff and that's hard, but people on our staffs need to be known by people on the team because we don't want anybody to get lost. You know, you're leveling up and you've got people almost stepping into that role that you were fulfilling of knowing everyone, you, you've got to have help making sure everyone's known. Yeah, that's a great, great word. Thank you for that. Also building that playbook of processes um, is key. I know it sounds like you're taking a cue from your own experience as you, you're giving up Avondale this next year and taking on Australia, the, a, new, a new location. How are you using that playbook to move from one location to another in this season. I mean, we still have double digit growth happening at both of our restaurants right now in this season, we are working on just going back through and tightening up processes and checklists. We've, uh, we've recently added jolt to our, um, to our quiver, if you will, um, to try to standardize as much as we possibly can standardize between the two restaurants with the knowledge that one of our restaurants currently is an L shaped kitchen. And the other one is a straight line kitchen. And the new one's going to be a P14, which is yet another um, prototype. So as much as we can have standardized so that people understand how do we do what we do um, is going to be good. We have a strong culture brand that you and I've talked about before that help everybody understand what is important to us. And I think that, um, and, and we've got a lot of, a lot of leaders who've been with us for a while. I think that's going to help us as we move forward. But, um, my recommendations are based on things that I feel like we absolutely could have done better. It is nice that in this move, you do get to take all that experience with you that you were building in the first time going from one to two. Now, mm -hmm. now you get to translate that good. Well, Bruce, this has been incredible. Thanks for sharing just your insights, your story, your journey. Um, so many nuggets of wisdom in here that um, I, I hope is a benefit and help to other people that are listening. So I look forward to hanging out with your team again soon. And I can't wait to see your new location coming up and, and getting that going this next year. So great job leading your team. Well, we appreciate you and your team, Jay. You guys have been, uh, you're on our org chart because we feel like you're part of us and we are grateful for your partnership. Thank you for listening to Build Your Culture Brand with Dr. Jay Rains. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. Visit our website at buildyourculturebrand.com for our free culture brand assessment. See you next time.
We would like to note that LeadersQ serves individual owner-operators and their teams and is not affiliated, endorsed by, or in any way officially connected with Chick-fil-A Incorporated. 